My tablet just told me my face wasn't detected. I must be slimmer. Yeah, yeah that, that was harsh. That was harsh. Yeah, I, um, I, I, can't, I, I don't think I have a, um, a measure of what it would be like. You know, I've visited some developing nations and you come back with an appreciation, but I don't know if you can ever actually truly understand what it's like to live in that level of poverty, you know, for the locals that are there. You know, a rock as a, as a toy. Um, it'd be great if it was a slingshot. We're about to look at David, but outside of that, you know, um, there, there, is no, there is no measure for us. And so if you moved, if that story moved you, I know there's a lot more. It should move us. It actually should, because we have an abundance. So how can we work with the abundance that we have for those that don't live in the same, the same area, the same place? So please speak to them. More than anything, they need your prayers. More than anything, every missionary in every place needs your prayers. Because more and more today, um, the gospel, Jesus, God, um, the children of Israel, the Jews, they more and more were mocked and denigrated and torn down. And if ever there was a time that people need prayer, it's this day and age. Amen? So last week we looked at what David had to overcome uh, just to get onto the battlefield, you know, and to go towards Goliath. And there were so many things that were actually holding him back. But the one thing to this day, the one thing that I think, I believe, uh, and what I... And wherever you stand with what's happening in Gaza with the Palestinians, but more so Hamas and the Israelites, is Hamas have defied the armies of the Lord. Hamas have defied our God, and Goliath defied our God. He dishonored our God. And David, the only reason David had courage was he was motivated and moved. He wanted to fight for and honor the name of the Lord. And Israel fights for and honors the name of the Lord. Wherever you stand, um, have a look at that. And when people go to different countries, even being able to sit with those, the, those um, in the Islamic center, you know, you're fighting for and honoring the name of the Lord. And it doesn't matter the giants that we have in front of us. It doesn't matter what that looks like. I mean, it can be really tricky. It can be painful. It can hurt. But when you honor the name of the Lord, the battle is God's. Amen. The battle is always God's. So David, last week, he took off his armor. There's something very special about that. That's where I want to end in a moment, <laughs> in a really quick moment. That's where I want to end. But we talk about Goliath, and he's supposed to be the champion, but the question is, who really is the champion? So let's pray, jump into the Word, and get through it as quickly as we can, because I want to pray not only for this couple, but for people today. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, that we can actually gather together. I thank you for those that are just... So in love with you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for each and every believer that hears your voice, hears your call, and obeys it. Lord, whether it's in our backyard or whether it's in, in another country, I thank you, God, that people are obedient, Lord. People love you so much because of the love that you have for them that if you tell us to go, we'll go. Father, if you tell us to stand, we'll stand. And Lord, I just pray that this day, God, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to, to build us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, that we would truly be your hands and feet extended, that in whatever we do, whatever we say, wherever we go, wherever we live, that you would be glorified. 
So we do thank you for your word and we thank you for the time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So really quickly, I'm going to read some of 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to jump at verse 40 and I am going to go through quickly. Okay. Um, then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand approached the, and approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. From verse 45, this is the greatest comeback in the history of the world, I reckon. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. I love that. Come on! Yeah, so for those of you that don't like violent movies, rip that page out of your Bible. All right, just put it out there. So don't judge when it's in the Word. So get a movie where someone loses their head. Good fun. Good fun. Anyway. <laughs> this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head this very day I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands as the Philistine moved closer to attack him David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him reaching into his bag. And taking out a stone, he slung it. They reckon that would have taken some force. The rock could have been moving like at 100 k's. Yeah, right? And struck down the Philistine and killed him. I love this because this is what they don't teach in Sunday school. Verse 51, right? David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from its sheath after he killed him. So he would have grabbed his head. And then, whoa, I wonder if it was sharp or if it was blunt and he had to work for it, hey? I'm just putting it out. You've got to read what's in the Word and understand what's happening. Yeah? After he killed him, so he kills him first. I love it. Let's just, oh gosh, he must have had some bent up, passionate, righteous anger. He cut off his head with a sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead was were strewn along the Shariam road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head. <laughs> I love this. God, now, now, we're getting, now we're getting somewhere. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. Man, this is a huge fight. It's such a big fight. With David and Goliath, it's so significant and it's a significant victory for God, yeah? Because, you know, I guess in the blue corner, you've got Goliath, the, the champion of the day that, that was nearly as tall as a basketball ring. And he represents the Philistines and really all the, all the non-believing, non-Jewish, non-Jesus believing nations, all the pagan nations. You know, and even a couple of weeks ago, just his armor was like 57 kilos. His spearhead alone was seven kilos heavy. Yeah? There's a, there's a, a theologian, Christopher Jordan, and he wrote this Goliath is introduced to us in a way that is intended to make the reader tremble. 
Goliath is a monster. His biceps are bigger than an average man's torso. Yeah? The intended reader effect requires a collective wow. In the history of warfare and intimidation, there are few figures more impressive than Goliath of Gath. That's in the, in the blue corner. And then in the red corner, we've got a pretty little shepherd boy. Yeah? Who has a staff? Goliath is so big that his staff looks like a stick. He even calls it a stick. Yeah? And he had five stones in his bag and the sling, of course. What we do know is that David had killed a lion. David had killed a bear. You know? So he was pretty good with the sling. He probably practiced lots you know, at cans that weren't invented yet then. You know, maybe with some stones with a, without the ribbon, yeah, just placed there for accuracy. The best part was that David didn't come trusting his own ability. David came trusting in the name of the Lord, yeah. When a couple goes overseas, they go not based on their own abilities. They go trusting in the name of the Lord, amen, yeah. Verse 37 What's his motivation? What's David's motivation? Verse 37, it starts with, The Lord who rescued me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. The Lord will rescue me. That was his motivation. He knew that God had his back. Yeah? When you stand up for God, when you honor the name of the Lord, you don't have to be fluent in speech. You don't have to be the best orator. You don't have to be the strongest. You don't need to have all the skills. You don't need to know the Greek. You just need to know that the Lord's got your back. Yeah? That's all that David knew. That the Father had rescued him. Hasn't he rescued us? He's rescued us from the miry clay, taken us out of that, rescued us from sin and made us children of God, seated in heavenly places with him. Yeah? He's done that. And doesn't he rescue us every day in our relationship with him? And I think between now and the day that I die, he's going to rescue me another thousand times again. Because he's always rescuing us. So God uses David's gifts, but the odds are overwhelming. They're not great odds. Verse 42, he looked David over, it says, and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and despised him. Did he despise him because he was a boy? Or did he despise him because he was handsome? And if he despised him because he was handsome, then that would suggest in the reading that's not written that he must have been really ugly. So I figure God's got a sense of humor too. Yeah, let's make this guy really ugly. He's so going to be jealous of this young kid. I don't know. But he, was, he despised him. And David, he just glowed with health and was handsome. But the giant couldn't wait. Goliath couldn't wait to wipe the smile from his face. And for you and I, there are people like that in our lives. Yeah, that just want to wipe the smile off our face. Ever met anyone like that? Yeah, seriously. You know, they just want to knock us down. They want to rob us of joy. Praise the Lord that we have a God that we can trust in that rescues us. Yeah? Verse 41, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. David faced this overwhelming force, overwhelming odds. He's the underdog. It's the biggest underdog fight in history, I think. Yet it's all over in the first round. And then as he steps towards it, not only has he has, has this giant in front of him and he has to face these overwhelming odds, David now really... In essence, when you think about it, when you start weighing it up, he's facing certain death. Like he's certainly facing certain... No one expected him to win. No one. No one expected him to win. And that's why everybody, I think, was, was thinking, this is ridiculous what he's doing. It's insane. 
Because there are some times when you're obedient to God, when you hear his call, when you go overseas, when you do something in your school and workplaces that people will just look and think you're ridiculous for even doing that, for even trying that. Yeah? There's no belief that you can actually be victorious in what you're doing. There are times when people, they will not expect you to succeed. In fact, they're surprised. Oh, you're still there. Oh, it's working. Well, yes, I went in the name of the Lord. Of course it's still working. Of course I'm still around. Yes, we've had some struggles, but we still stand here today in Jesus' name. Amen? There are certain times when that just happens. But my prayer is that as a people and as a church, we'll be full of faith. And even when we face stuff that's, that's so overwhelming, odds that are against us, going to countries that we don't know the language, whatever it might be for us, yeah, that we would trust in the Lord, that even like David we would face, be willing to face even certain death for our faith. You know, Goliath says he's going to feed David to the birds. Gosh, David's either really small or they're really big birds. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's trash talk, isn't it? That's smack talk. Seizing, dude, I'm just going to throw you to the birds. Are you really going to come at me? In other words, by the time you even get to me, I'm going to pull you apart limb from limb. Like when I buy a chicken from Coles and I get it home and I, Mel starts to cut it, I grab the wing because I want the crunchy bit. You know, there's other parts I like to eat. I just rip them off. That's what Goliath was thinking about David. I'm just going to, I'm going to rip you apart, kid. I'm going to feed you to the birds. Birds are going to be eating on you for days. You know, what's going to happen to you, little kid, when you run out of your five stones? You know, like Goliath, Goliath will try anything to intimidate. And you and I, you and I, we have people in our lives that use their words to intimidate us, to discourage us. Yeah? Like, sometimes they even seem like good words. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to have other Christians. You, you, like, that sounds all nice and it's true and it's good, but hey, it doesn't work. People will always, and you can't do that. Are you applying for that job? You can't do that. Well, hold on. I'm not going with my skills. I'm going in the name of the Lord. You know, and, and if that's not enough, there's this spiritual hostility that's around. And it, particularly in the day and age that we live in, there is so much spiritual hostility where once if you said you were a minister, a pastor, a priest, people would actually, they, they would give you some form of honour. I'm not saying or suggesting that I, I'm not honoured by this place. I am. But in the world today, you, sometimes you don't even want to say that. Like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. Oh, so do you actually work? So Sunday, you work Sunday, yeah? You know, um, what do you do the other, like, six and a half days? You know? That's, that's heavenly coffee, Hebrews. Come on, let's not, let's not confuse that. Um, there's such a hostility around the church. And, and, and in fact, I had a dear brother say to me recently that it almost seems the hostility that parts of the world have had against the Jews have now... It's now come over and started to cover over anyone that calls themselves a Jesus believer. So the, the hostility, the, 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 I guess the wrath, the, just the, the yuck, the vile that is spoken about often in different circles in different countries about the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, that now seems to be all, cho all children of the one true living God, I, I reckon. I think even in my time here in Ballarat with Mal, that I've seen that increase more and more and more and more. 
But praise God, even though people are anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-church, we're not discouraged, are we? We shouldn't be, because we go in the name of the Lord. You think about it, it, it's quite normal. Acts 4 shows us what's taking place with Goliath. It shows us what's taking place with the Philistines invading Israel and mocking the name of the Lord. You know, you think about that kind of hostility. It's not the first time that Satan, the enemy, has done it, and nor will it be the last time. Because in the New Testament, in chapter 4 of Acts, there's an explanation given to us why people are so hostile against the name of Jesus. You know, they're hostile to Father God's bride, the church. You know, Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost. Whee, yeah, that's lovely. Let's preach that. Acts chapter 3, miraculous healings. Woo, that's awesome. God still moves and he still works. Acts chapter 4, God's now moving, but there's opposition against Peter and John. And Peter and John are about to have, well, they're about to get beaten a bit like David. You know, that was the, that was the thought for David. They're going to be beaten because the word says in Acts 4, verse 26, the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So let me pause here. What was happening in the story of Goliath? Well, the kings of the earth were rising up and the rulers were banding together against the Lord and against the, his anointed one. So this is more, gosh, we so miss it. This is more than just a story about David and Goliath, you know, and a fight and facing giants. This is a story about spiritual warfare. Yeah, this is a story about a spiritual victory. I believe this is what's happening in our community and in our world today, that the rulers of the world actually... They're conspiring against the Lord. I'm not into conspiracy theories, so conspiring might not be a good word. But what's happening is that they're rising up against the Lord and against his anointed ones. And ultimately, the anointed one, Jesus. You know, verse 27 of Acts 4 says, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles, the people, and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Guess what? In 1 Samuel 17, the giant is conspiring against the anointed one, King David. This is physical and spiritual warfare as Goliath defies the armies of God. Like flat out. But verse 28 of Acts, and this should encourage us, because it says now, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand to happen. In other words, God was in control. Sometimes stuff comes against us, but God is still in control. His power and his will has allowed it, has decided beforehand that this is going to happen. It's just going to happen. But he's still in control. You know, God allowed Goliath to be there. It's all part of the plan. But it was all part of the plan so that an awesome victory could be had for God's people. Yeah? You know, Acts, verse 29 of that chapter, and they're about to move into prayer. And the word from Peter is, Now, Lord, consider their threats. Consider Goliath's Goliath's threats. Consider the anti-Jew threats. Consider the Christian phobia in our world threats. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. So how do we get victory? We've got to put ourselves on the battlefield, even when there's overwhelming odds, even if we face certain death, even if there's spiritual you know, hostility towards us, we've got to put ourselves on the battlefield. And so only you know your battlefield. Where has God called you to? Because for Scott and Jen, they know their battlefield. God had called them and they went. 
And yes, there's a lot of prayer. And sometimes there's a lot of faith. We feel like God's saying here, oh gosh, because the enemy doesn't want you to step onto the battlefield. Because when you step onto the battlefield in the name of the Lord, you are the one, we are the ones that have the victory. Not the giants. And we've been given weapons. (laughs) And we do need to recognize and acknowledge that we've got spiritual weapons. We start by trusting in the Lord. I mean, David says that the battle is the Lord's. Amen? But one thing you need to know about the, 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 the children of Israel, the Jewish nation, prayer and praise. Almost every time that there was a victory, prayer and praise would follow. And you and I, we get to declare the word. Now, Lord, verse 29, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. Wherever you are, honour the name of the Lord. Speak the word with great boldness. If you're in Malawi, speak the word with great boldness. If you're in Ballarat, speak the word with great boldness. If you live in Ararat, Great Westfoot, doesn't matter. Speak the word with great boldness. Praise him, know him. I don't know if God's going to answer our prayers to lift the dollar value or whatever the currency is in Malawi. I don't know if he's going to answer our prayers when it comes to, please, can you reduce the cost of petrol and the cost of electricity? and gas? I don't know if he's going to answer those things. I don't know if he's going to fix your washing machine or your fridge when it breaks down. Because, gosh, they're the worst. But I do know this. And it says in Philippians, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will meet all your needs. So I know that he answers a prayer of relationship. I know that he answers when you're sharing your faith. I know that he answers when you invite your friends and family and people you know to meet God in some fashion and in some way. That I do know. And that was the prayer of the apostles when all this crazy stuff was going on. You know, you can either, when the world's crazy, you can either hide or you can step out in faith. And David gets his confidence that he just runs towards the, this Philistine. David said to the Philistine, verse 45, and this isn't trash talk, this is spiritual, this is real. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. David just believed in a big God. Like he believed in a big God. I only moved to Ballarat. Mel and I believed in a big God. Gosh, if you're moving overseas, you've got to believe in a big God. Yeah? You've got family around at Christmas time that don't believe in the Lord and you know they're going to attack. You've got to believe in a big God. You've got friends where you play sport that mock you because you go to church. Oh, you've got to believe in a big God. Your workmates think you're insane because you give up your Sunday. You've got to believe in a big God. Your neighbours think you're nuts because you give some of your money to the church. You've got to believe in a big God. You've got to believe in a big God. David believed in a big God and that's why he runs to the giant. He wasn't scared. He wasn't intimidated. He didn't have to be bigger. Yeah? He didn't, he didn't have to make God more almighty. God was already almighty. He didn't have to study. I loved what Scott said for six years. He just believed in a big God. And his courage comes from this unshakable faith in the Lord. He could see Goliath, but not like everybody else could see him. He saw it totally different 
because he was believing in this awesome big God. You know, Goliath was a, a bully. It was just a bully. You know, he's got his shield bearer. It, every bully has buddies, right? Every bully has buddies. And even Goliath had buddies so that, you know, that could egg him on when he was saying, I'm going to feed you to the birds. The shield bearer was saying, yeah, you tell him, Goliath. Go for it, yeah. Every bully. If you've ever been to school at any time of your life, it doesn't matter the era. Yeah, there's bullies, and bullies always have buddies. The giant, though, Goliath's final words, they're an insult against the Lord's anointed. And he's going to have to deal with that, but he's certainly going to deal with a stone in the middle of his head. <laughs> like, and then he's going to get his head cut off. There'll be no more boasting then, so whoever's going to boast, let them boast in the Lord, amen? David just relied on the name above all other names. He just doesn't see the giant, doesn't see Goliath like everybody else. He's not, he's not intimidated by the entourage. He's not intimidated by the bully's buddy. He's, he's just not. He's not in, even intimidated by the Philistine army. He just says, you know what? That's good, but I'm going to come in the name of the Lord Almighty. I'm going to come in the name of the Lord Almighty. I know what I'm going to face when I go here, start my new job. I know what I'm going to face when I go to a new country. But this one, you know, apart from all of that, this one, one thing I know assuredly is that I trust in the name and I go in the name of the Lord Almighty. I rely in that name. You may defy the Lord. David goes, I'm going to trust in the Lord. You, know, you might fight against God's armies. David says, you know what? I'm going to fight for God's armies and I'm going to fight for God. The battle belongs to the Lord. David moves into the valley and though he's got skill with a sling, he doesn't even puff up his own ability. So maybe, let's, let's say it's not even for any of us. Maybe if it's, it's for someone watching at home, we don't have to puff up our own ability when we're trusting in the name of the Lord. we just got to trust in him, trust that the gifts that we have are from him. And David believes that God will guide the stone and he grabs it from his sling, he winds it, sends it on its way. He's got a deep passion for the Lord. You know, if we can understand that everything is for his glory, <laughs> that through him and in him and, 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 and with him are all things, if we truly believe that, it changes everything. We were just chatting this morning, a few of us, and perspective is everything. Whatever our struggle is, wherever we find ourselves, as long as our eyes are on the fry, it's called Jesus, yeah? You saw the, the picture on the screen of that, on that big trailer, the big red trailer that... Looked like it was impersonating Coke, but said Jesus. That was awesome. Great pick, right? We need to have our eyes on Jesus. Regardless, because the enemy will come in and he'll get into our thoughts. He can't get into our hearts. And so he gets into our thoughts and he makes us insecure about things, about our work and who we are and what we believe in our abilities and what we look like. And the enemy just peppers us all the time. And that doesn't matter what nationality you are, what ethnicity you are, where you're from, where you're going, where you live. What, how much, it doesn't matter. The enemy gets into your thoughts and he just starts to take pieces away, rips us to shreds. We need to be able to focus on Jesus. You know, this is the promised land that the children of Israel, you know, they've, they've crossed into. They've crossed the Jordan. They've made heaps of mistakes. But this is where the healing began when David stood up to that giant. You know, imagine how scared they were. You ever been scared in life? Ever been scared when you know God's called you to something? Heaven forbid I was scared to move to Ballarat. I'm Italian. I, 
when I came here, I think there was about 15 other ethnics. Now there's thousands. Praise the Lord, he answered prayers. But like I had a fear just to move up here, 100Ks. Sometimes we're fearful going into a new school, meeting new friends, going to a new country. We can't allow fear to rob us of the destiny that God has for us. And you think about it, all, all the Israelite army are hiding, they're hiding behind trees and in, and in trenches and, and, and all they can see is the champion Goliath and they're wondering, where's our champion? Where is he? And then he steps out. Be like a 10-year-old stepping out in front of Goliath. Could you imagine what the Israelites were like? No, come on, that can't be our champion. Not him, no way. And then there's whispers, He's good looking, um, but it's, certainly it can't be him. He's only a kid. He's only short. Look, he can't be our champion. Surely not him. Doesn't it sound a lot like a thousand years later, they would say, surely not Nazareth. Nothing good can come out, out of Nazareth. Surely not Jesus. Surely not, not a cross. David believed in a big God, relied in the name above all other names, and he comes out with that incredible speech. Because he knows that the battle is the Lord's. Gosh, I could go on and on and I won't. It's one thing about David. Gosh, I've got so much. David carries the head. Let's go straight here. David carries the head. 32 kilometers he carried this head. 32 Ks. He didn't have a car, didn't have a Vespa. Didn't have an electric bike, didn't have a bike. Didn't have roads like our roads. Actually, we shouldn't look at Victoria, our roads are pitiful. Had roads like in South Australia where they're smooth. Didn't have those either. <laughs> like he carries, he carries his head. He took the head and he brought it to Jerusalem, it says in 1 Samuel 17, 54. He put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. See, the champion, David, who's now defeated the would-be champion, has been carrying the giant's head with him. And David carries a giant head around with him for most of the day. And if you know the story, there's a section of this story that happens after the death of Goliath where he's talking to King Saul. So even while he was talking to Saul, he's holding this head. Yes, King, the, the kid, the pretty kid, the handsome one. Hello, King. Yes. Like, it would have been bigger than his buttocks. It was huge. His head was huge, and he's holding it while he's talking to the king. And then he decides to take it all the way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem wasn't even conquered yet. He doesn't conquer Jerusalem to 2 Samuel. But there's a reason behind it. There's a reason he carries it for 32 Ks. And, and, and this is what you and I, if we're going to learn something today, because he goes all the way to Jerusalem, he's rejoicing in his victory, but he's holding on to his victory. For 32 Ks, in every conversation, he's holding on to his victory. I remember when God did this. Do you remember when God did that? It was so good. Yes, King, oh yeah, no, 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 yeah, it was so good. His next victory is over there, but he's still holding on to this one. 
he finally gets to where his next victory is, where he can conquer Jerusalem. And the word says that he puts it down. Sometimes we have to let go of what God has done so we can move into what God has. Sometimes it's a victory crown. And sometimes it's a hurt and pain. Our victory is before us. It could be 32 kilometers away. But sometimes unless we put that thing down, we can't actually step into the next thing that God has. So today, 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 this is what I want to do today. Can we stand, please? Because I am short, but not short enough. We need to pray for this wonderful couple. Because I can tell you that they have had some phenomenal victories in their life. And yet when the time comes, they put that victory down. They've had hurts in their life. Yet when time comes, they put that down and they walk towards the next victory that God has for them. And some of us are still living in the past, in our victories and in our pain, wondering where God is, why we haven't seen all that God had promised us, what he purposed for us, because we haven't let go of what's in our hands. And sometimes we just have to let it go. Andrew, can I have some keys? Would that be okay? And so I want to challenge us all, all of us this morning. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long ago your victory was. It doesn't matter how recent it was. It doesn't matter what pain that you're carrying. Because God knows it. I don't need to know it. He does. But if you're going to let him know it, then you need to give it. And if you're going to give it, it means you need to let go of it. It doesn't mean that the, the pain or the trauma from it disappears. God will heal that. But you need to let it go. But sometimes we want a healing and we give it to God, but we don't want to let it go. We want to hold on to the memory of it because it, it actually justifies who we are. This, is, this has helped me become who I am. Even in Batman, even just so go with me here for a minute. He goes, my parents dying have made me who I am and he won't let it go. Sometimes you've got to let it go so that God can make you who he wants you to be. Not the pain, not the victory. We've got to let it go. And so maybe even Sam, can you just jump? I don't know who else is here. Ryan, play something. I can't see Ross, but I'll get you guys up if you could. I just want to open the altar. If you need to drop something today, it can be a victory. That was years ago and you're still holding on to it. It could be a trauma. It could be a pain. Don't carry it everywhere you go. Don't hold on to it when you talk to the king. Because he's got something more for you. You don't have to hold it up as a trophy anymore. You just have to let it go. So that you can walk into what God has for you. We're coming into the end of the year. And how many people are tired with this year? Maybe we're still holding on to stuff that we've got to let go of. Maybe that's what's going to open up next year. Maybe that's what's going to fulfill the promise that God has spoken over our lives. But as these guys play something, they'll work it out. Step onto the battlefield. Now's the time. If you're in your seats, close your eyes. Pray. Start praying. If you need to let go of something, don't look at what's happening around you. If God is speaking to your heart now, this is the battlefield. God wants you to step onto the battlefield so you can let go. It's time to let go. Father, even now, Lord, as the team are preparing, God, we just pray 
Father, we pray for this battle line, this battlefield, God. We pray, Lord, for the victories that have to be put down for the next. Father, we pray for the trauma and the, the, the defeats that have made us who we are, have forged us, but have stopped us moving forward. Lord, we pray that, Holy Spirit, you would come and have your way today. Lord, that you would set people free in their hearts, God. That you would bring healing to their bodies, God. That you would do a victory dance in their minds. Lord, that something would shift in their lives today. Don't wait for anyone else. Don't worry about how many times you've been to the altar. Don't worry about whether we're singing or not singing. If that's you, come to the altar.